A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host June McTeer and I'm excited to bring you the next episode in our series where we tell the story of all the La Liga clubs. This time around we're focusing on Levante, a club from the city of Valencia. As we do to start off each of these podcasts, we're going to begin by listening to some of this club's highlight moments. La pone en juego Robert Pierre, pelota arriba, suena el silbato del árbitro, se acabó el partido. Señoras y señores, 13 meses y 5 días después, el Fútbol Club Barcelona perdió un partido de liga. El invicto cayó en el Ciutat de Valencia. Ahí va Barquero We heard there a few of the kinds of moments that Levante have enjoyed over the years. We heard the sounds of one of their promotions, the most recent one in 2017. We heard commentary from their famous 5-4 win over Barcelona in the top flight. And we heard them scoring against a European giant like Olympiacos in the Europa League. Let's now go back to when it all began, which requires going back quite a long way because Levante are one of Spanish football's oldest clubs. After a quick listen to their club hymn, we've got Roman de Arquer coming up to talk us through the first years of Levante's history. On the 9th of September 1909, Levante Football Club was founded by brothers Jose and Victor Ballester. The name Levante is also used to describe the east coast of Spain where they reside in Valencia. In the early days, the club resembled a boys club, with most of their players being teenagers. But with the improving level and popularity of football in Valencia, Levante gradually moved towards a more professional setup. That change took shape when they registered to compete in regional competitions in 1919 and then moved to El Camp de la Creu Stadium in 1922. They had moved there from their first home, La Plageta, Little Beach in Valenciano, 
a ground which was near the port area. The proximity to the port gave the club a firmly working class base of support. Levante's trajectory over the next 20 years was steady but positive overall. Their first ever trophy arrived in 1928, winning the Valencian Championship. Although they started in the regional divisions as La Liga formed in 1929, by 1934 Levante had made it all the way up to Segunda. Just a year later, they managed an historic Copa del Rey run, dumping out city rivals Valencia before finding a way past established giants Barcelona in the quarterfinal. Heartbreak was just around the corner, as Sabadell put pay to their dreams in the semis. With Spain besieged by civil war, Levante sealed another trophy by beating Valencia 1-0. This time, it was in the Copa de España Libre, held instead of the Copa del Rey with final plate in Barcelona. However, with only four teams participating, it wouldn't be recognized by the regime. To this day, the club are pushing to have this title officially recognized as a Copa del Rey win. Originally, Levante had played in black and white, but the end of the civil war would bring about significant changes. A merger between Levante and Gimnástico eventually precipitated the formation of Levante Unión Deportiva, the full name that the club maintains today. This merger also saw the club take on the blaugrana colors they still play in. That was inherited from Gimnástico, which is also where they got their nickname, Los Granotas, meaning the frogs. Gimnástico, and now Levante Ude, played their matches at the Vallejo Stadium, but Gimnástico's old stadium was located in the old riverbed of the Rio Turia, hence the nickname. The story goes that after the Civil War, Levante didn't have a ground to play in, but still had much of their squad intact. Gimnástico, on the other hand, were the opposite, meaning a merger made perfect sense. Others theorize that the leadership at Gimnástico was very much loyal to the new Franco regime, while Levante had one of the better squads but their working class roots meant the club retained a strong republican sentiment. Politically, it made perfect sense too. Despite that good squad, they would not make it to the Primera for another 24 years. They won their group in the 1940 in Segunda, but finished a point short of promotion in the final phase. Things then went downhill, and after spells in the third division, they finally established themselves in Segunda once more. Curiously, this happened after they were forced to temporarily leave Vallejo, which had been seriously affected by the great flood of the Turia River in 1957. Then in 1963, they finally made it to the top flight after a 4-2 playoff victory over Deportivo. A solid first season and 10th place was all too calm for Levante. The following year, they did the double over local rivals Valencia and thumped Barcelona 5-1 at Vallejo, with arguably their finest team of the century. The likes of Ernesto Dominguez, Vanderlei, Weiss and Calpe were entertaining but finished 14th and ultimately suffered relegation after losing a playoff to Málaga. It would be several decades before they'd return. President Antonio Román sold the old Vallejo ground, buying land in the Orioles area and building their current Ciudad de Valencia stadium with a capacity of 25,000. That brand new stadium ended up in Tercera though, as poor squad investment meant another drop. The 70s were a yo-yo decade for Levante, as they earned the moniker of Equipo Ascensor. In 1981, they were back in Segunda and flying, top of the table. They looked favourites to go up and even signed aging star Joan Cruyff to get them over the line. However, a tragic drop in results meant they missed out, finishing in 9th place. 
President Francisco Aznar was determined to get them up, but missing promotion had financial consequences. After failing to pay the players the next season, things reached breaking point and the players ended up locking themselves in the dressing room until the president promised to resign. The money problems meant that they were relegated not once, but twice, down to the fourth tier. More promotions and relegations followed over the next decade, including good spells under young Juan de Ramos in 1994 and Mané in 1996. As the club approached its 90th anniversary in the second tier, Pedro Villarroel became president with the slogan Our flag is a Levante in Primera. As it happened, they went down to Segunda B the same season. Manager Pep Balaguer did at least take them back up to Segunda A in 1999 for the big celebration. But in true Levante fashion, the narrowly missed out on promotion beginning life in the 21st century in the second tier. So Levante really didn't spend much time in the top division during the 20th century, even if it kind of became an obsession for a while. But that was about to change in the 21st century. They've now become a regular top tier club, and we're about to find out how that happened. Here's Paco Pollitt to continue the narration. After promotion back into the Segunda in 1999, Levante were able to celebrate their 90th anniversary in the second division of Spanish football and they enjoyed some rare stability over the next few years. They spent five seasons in a row in the second tier before winning the Segunda in the 2003-2004 season. After a 39-year absence, Levante were back in Primera. They even celebrated that by hosting the Spanish national team at the Estadi Ciutat de Valencia Stadium for the first time, with the Spanish Football Federation deciding to play a Spain versus Scotland friendly at the Levante home ground, a match that only lasted 60 minutes because of a torrential downpour of rain. As someone who was there that night, I can assure you, I could have easily used a rowboat to flee the place with water reaching my knees and people running around the place to escape the storm. Despite bringing Levante up, coach Manuel Preciado wasn't kept on in a very unpopular decision by the president Pedro Villarroel. In came Bernd Schuster as coach for the 2004-2005 season and things started well, very well in fact. After 11 match days, Levante were fourth in the table, but little by little they slipped down the standings and were eventually relegated. Levante only spent two match days inside the relegation zone during that 2004-2005 season. Unfortunately for the Granotas, it was the last two matchdays, the ones that really mattered. The wait to come back up wasn't so long this time. In 2006, Levante finished third and that was enough for promotion. This time they stayed up in the first division for two campaigns before spending another two years in the second division again. In 2008, Levante had filed for bankruptcy and, months later, Kiko Catalan was appointed as the new president. It was always a case of two steps forward and one step back for Levante, but the experience they had built up in the early 21st century helped them consolidate their position as a La Liga club when they won promotion again in the 2009-2010 season, the year when they celebrated their centenary and again finishing third in the Segunda. Luis García Plaza was the miracle coach who made such thing possible. This time they put together their longest run of consecutive seasons in the top division. It started with a 14th place finish before they achieved a best ever Primera result of 6th place in 2011-2012. 
Juan Ignacio Martinez was an up-and-coming coach at the time and had an interesting squad. The veteran Levante legend Sergio Ballesteros was paired with up-and-coming talents such as Vicente Iborra, while Aruna Cone led the line and banged in the goals. This sixth-place finish earned Levante their one and only qualification for European football to date. They were drawn against Scottish side Motherwell in the playoff round for the 2012-13 Europa League and won both legs for a 3-0 aggregate victory, with the triumphant second leg coming at home, where home fans were absolutely ecstatic. And also many away supporters, who smelled like tomatoes because many of the travelling Scottish fans had gone to the Tomatina Festival in Buñol the night before. Levante came through a group including 20, Hanover and Helsingborg before defeating Olympiacos 4-0 on aggregate in the last 32 and then eventually falling in extra time to Russian side Rubin Kazan in the round of 16. Their European adventure hadn't impacted domestic form too much as Levante finished in mid-table in that 2012-13 season, finishing 11th. They came 10th and 14th in the next two campaigns as well before a terrible 2015-2016 season that saw the Granotas come dead last and go back down to Segunda. Juan Ramón López Muñiz was brought in for the rebuilding job and did remarkably well. Levante managed to keep many of their better players such as El Comandante José Luis Morales, Víctor Camarasa, Toño García and Roger Martí and they fired Levante back to Primera at their first attempt. They didn't just win promotion this time, they even won the Segunda División with an impressive 84 points, 14 more than second place Girona. With Levante struggling again in their return to the top division in the 2017-2018 season, the decision was made to promote the B-team coach Paco López to the top job with 11 matches to go when Levante were 17th. López kept them up and they finished 15th. They even broke Barca's unbeaten streak that season with an incredible 5-4 win at home. Levante have never looked back since then, with López becoming the manager with most matches coached in Levante's history and staying on until this day. Off the field, Levante have taken great strides towards stability in recent years under President Kiko Catalan. Most publicly, he has overseen a major stadium redevelopment project that has brought a new roof, new sound system, new scoreboard and other new facilities to Levante's Stadi Ciutat de Valencia. They now boast one of the best of the little stadiums in La Liga, are eyeing the construction of a new training ground facility in Valencia suburbs and have established themselves as a regular first division club. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So that was the story of Levante and all their success over the years. Let's hear some more about a few of the individuals behind this story. At this part of each podcast in our club series, we get one of our La Liga Lowdown contributors to discuss their top three legends for the club. So Rui Barlow is going to do that now. We begin with the man of first for Levante. Joining in 1962 from Espanyol, Ernesto Dominguez was a forward who played from deep. Although he was never a prolific goal scorer, he did represent the creative and technical ability behind Levante's golden 60s team. In his first season, he led them out of Segunda to that first and most craved promotion to La Liga. Scoring in their promotion playoff, he was also the offer of their first goal in Primera, against former club Espanyol in a 4-all draw. If he wasn't already a hero, grabbing the winner in the historic derby win over rivals Valencia further ingratiated him with the fans. Until 2020, the Greyhound of Vallejo was the only ever Spanish international at the club, making his debut in 1963. When Levante suffered relegation, Dominguez remained at the club another year before leaving in 1967, with his name firmly in the history books. Alongside Dominguez in that great side was one of the finest players ever to don the Blaugrana of Levante, Antonio Calpe. Born in Valencia, he came up through the ranks before heading south to Alcoyano. Three years later, he returned in 1962 to help the club to that promotion. Quick, robust and skillful, he made an excellent right-back, which didn't go unnoticed. He left when Levante dropped to Segunda and landed at Real Madrid. The introverted Calpe famously declined a reception with General Franco after winning the European Cup. His uncle had been executed by Franco's troops in the Civil War. Rejection was again the story as he returned to Levante in 1971, now in Tercera. Reportedly, he turned down offers from La Liga and Segunda to play three more years for Levante. Although hampered by injury, he would see them back up to Segunda before his retirement in 1974. Ever since, he remained in and around the club until his passing in 2021. Also coming through the ranks at Oriols, Sergio Ballesteros was born just 15 minutes away in Burchasot. Making his debut in 1994, he would spend two years at the club before leaving for another 12. When he returned in 2008, at the age of 33, Levante were just coming out of administration and desperate in the Segunda. Against all odds, they won promotion and stayed up the following season. A large, bustling centre-half, his shape had a sharp turn of pace which would translate into one of the most iconic La Liga moments. In 2012, Cristiano Ronaldo sprinted for a loose ball with a head start, only to see the big man come roaring past him to win the ball and bring the Ciutat de Valencia to their feet. Imperious in the air, a good tackler and a born fighter, Ballesteros was the heart of the best Levante in history. He would captain Levante's 6th place in 2011 
and qualification for European football for the very first time. Barely missing a game until his retirement in 2013 at the age of 38, Ballesteros is a cult hero. Those were some really important figures from Ruri there. Now let's spend some time learning all about the fans at Levante and what they're like. What kind of background and area do they come from? To find out all about the match they experience at the Estadio Ciutat de Valencia, let's bring in journalist Paul Odegaard, who lives in the city and who knows exactly what Levante are all about. Que grande es ser pequeño. That is the slogan of Levante uh, and means uh, how grand it is to be small. Uh, and this is very telling because Levante is quite a small club. It's a neighborhood club in the city of Valencia, which, as you all know, have uh, another club called Valencia, which is a lot more famous. Uh, Levante was actually the, the, uh, the best club for many decades uh, and founded uh, long before Valencia. Uh, currently, the stadium is located in the northern outskirts of uh, Valencia city proper, uh, smacked in between an upper class and a rough working class neighborhood. Uh, it takes about 15,000 spectators. Uh, they just got renovated uh, with, a, with a fancy roof and uh, state of the art uh, screen. Uh, the fans. Uh, are mostly from the neighborhood or from other neighborhoods in Valencia, uh, but particularly from, from nearby. Uh, and before match days, uh, many gather at the local pubs and bars to get their bocadillo or, or sandwich for eating at halftime, have a few beers. Uh, and during the matches, Levante, they aren't very picky. Uh, they get happy with, with any positive results. Uh, the fans, uh, it's a very family-friendly atmosphere, uh, still a genuine football one, the chance and so on. Uh, but uh, they actually increased their fan base or season tickets holders uh, after they got relegated a few seasons back. Uh, and every time they go up, there's a pitch invasion. Uh, I experienced once myself the first time they qualified for uh, the Europa League back in the 2013 season. And I recommend everyone to go to Valencia uh, to also visit uh, Ciutat de Valencia or Levante Stadium uh, to, to experience a match there. Uh, it's quite uh, accessible from, from downtown uh, via tram or simply by walking for about half an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, Valencia is totally flat, so it's a nice stroll as well. Yeah, a nice stroll and a nice experience if you visit Levante. It's one of my favourite clubs and stadiums to visit as there's always that family feel to the club. So I hope you're excited after this podcast to go out and check it for yourself too. I want to thank then all the contributors to this episode. That's Roman de Arguer, Paco Pollitt, Ruby Barlow and Pal Odegaard. I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and remember, we are La Liga Lowdown, and you can find us on social media and at LaLigaLowdown.com. We hope you'll pay us a visit there soon. For now, thanks a lot for listening to this episode.